Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. We're in a series called Heart Matters. The things that we care about most are in our hearts. So in this series, we'll talk about practical ways to guard what's in your heart so you can impact what's in your life. Well, hello, Milestone Church. How are you? Good to see you. I want to welcome all of those watching online. I want to welcome our McKinney campus. We love you. I'll be back with you next week, live and in person. Uh, I'll be back next week. So uh, excited that you're here this morning. Uh, Open up your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to get there in just a little bit. Um, But what I want to do first is I want to celebrate something significant that happened this past week. That's our middle school camp. And uh, this past week, over 300 kids were at middle school camp, and it was just amazing hearing the stories of life change and impact. Maybe you were there at middle school camp. Uh, Maybe you had a child that went to middle school camp. And I'm just telling you, you know, it's moments like this that impact the life of a child, the life of a student. And, and Pastor Jed mentioned how we have 300 volunteers, 100 of those being students. It's because of things like this, moments where they encounter God, God does a work in their life, and they then in turn start impacting the next generation coming right behind them. They impact their own generation. And so it's, it's amazing to see. I want to celebrate our team. We have the most amazing next-gen teams. The Elevate team is phenomenal. And uh, yeah, they do an amazing job. Grateful for them, their leadership, all the volunteers over there. I'm telling you, we have the best next-gen team in the nation. I'm just telling you, they're amazing at what they do and amazing at, at serving our students and serving you as families. And as Pastor Jeff said, Wendy and I, I had an opportunity to be a part of this next-gen team for the last two and a half years. And uh, it was amazing to walk with them and, and lead them and be a part of all that God was doing. And um, you know, I got to work with one of my best friends, Tyron, uh, Pastor Tyron Caswell. And so that was always fun. And uh, you know, we probably gotten more, you know, we didn't get in trouble, but we probably caused a few headaches here and there for Pastor JP every now and again, but he loved us through it. And it was awesome to see what God did. And uh, three years ago, God was bringing us back to the motherland here in Texas, also known as the promised land. That's why you're here in Texas, because it is a promised land. I'm originally from Austin. My wife is from New Orleans. And uh, God allowed us to come and joined us with the Milestone team three years ago. And I've known Pastor Jeff for about 17 years. And so we came on. And as I was saying, we, we helped with our, our next-gen team. But while we were doing Beyond together here at our Keller campus, we weren't doing Beyond in McKinney. And uh, so Pastor Jeff asked if I would go out there and preach a message or really a series out there. And, and so we did. And while we were out there, God just started doing some things in my heart and in Wendy's heart. And we started praying about next steps and what does that look like? And, and look, all we knew is that God was bringing us back to Texas and joining us with Milestone. And that's, that's what the word says when he says, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. It's the Lord that orders the steps. So we didn't know what was on the other side, another end of our, our step of obedience. We just knew we were trusting God with the next step. And so God started to stir some things in our heart and we started dialoguing and talking with Pastor Jeff and, and you know, what might that be? We started falling in love with the city of McKinney. We love you, McKinney. We started falling in love with the people and it, we're just going, God, what, what are you doing? And so God really started speaking to our hearts about McKinney being where we needed to be. And I was reminded of a word that someone had given us that they had prayed over us and spoken to us 
14 years ago. And it said that, he, he said that God had divinely knit Wendy and I together and that a unique church was going to come out of us. And, and I'm going, okay, God, that's awesome. And we just kind of sat on that and prayed about that. I didn't know what that meant, a unique church. Is that like a biker church? I mean, I'm not a biker. Is it a cowboy church? Doubt that, you know. Is it a dog church? It's not a cat church because all cats go to hell, okay. So... Sorry for you cat lovers. So I, I don't, what is a unique church? I don't, I don't know what, what that means. Well, after God started speaking to us, I, I just did what maybe some of you do after God starts speaking to you. You go to Google. And so I started Googling McKinney, Texas. I don't know McKinney. What, let's learn about McKinney and the city and, and, and the demographics. And I get to this picture of this water tower. And under the water tower is the town motto, and it's this, McKinney unique by nature. And it was in that moment we said, okay, God, you're confirming what you've been speaking to us. And, and so now, God, just to keep it in front of me, uh, I want to show you what I look at every day I drive into my driveway and every day I walk out my front door. Here's this water tower. So when it gets tough and I'm going, God, what are you doing? He goes, ah, I called you here, son. So just so you know, God's promise, and I know what you're thinking. You may be, God's spoken something to you, and you're waiting, and you're holding on to it. You're going, God, when will that happen? It may be in 14 years, but God will make it happen. And I know for all of you in here that are single, you're going, no, Lord, not 14 years. Please no, Lord. But it's amazing to see what God is doing, and, and not only what he's doing right here in Keller, but what he's doing in McKinney, and that's just the beginning of what he's going to do through Milestone Church all across DFW. You're a part of that, Keller. You're a part of that, McKinney. It is the future of where we're going as we continue to reach people and build lives all across this area. Right now, one church, two campuses. We're going to have to change it. It's going to end up being one church and many campuses as we reach people and build lives all across the DFW region. And so it is exciting. It's an honor to be a part, and it's exciting to see all that God is doing. Well, we're going to continue in our series called Heart Matters. And we've been talking about just that, matters of the heart. And, and our anchor verse is Proverbs 4.23, and the writer of Proverbs says this. You can look up on the screen and follow along. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That means everything, not just a few things. Every single thing that we do flows from this thing called our heart. And so the writer of Proverbs is talking about the importance of the heart, the matters and the issues of the heart and how powerful they are. And yet he gives us this charge just before he talks about the heart. And he says, I want you to guard it. And so today we're going to talk about what does it look like to guard our heart? What does it look like? To, to, and he, he says, above all else. So this is priority. And why is this priority? Because we learned last week, and maybe you're joining us today for the very first time, so you weren't here last week. Well, well, we talked about our heart and how it is the center of what we do. In fact, we showed you this image, and we said that all believing and thinking and feeling and doing comes from our heart. It is the centerpiece of who we are and what we do, and everything flows from it. I shared this story, I'm gonna share it with you, I shared it in McKinney last week about how we try and resolve the issues of the heart. You know, we just moved to McKinney and, and it's exciting and moving is fun and we love to move, said no one. You like the maybe change, and new, but no one likes moving. We hate moving. I, I told someone, I said, I don't mind moving, I just don't like packing and loading and unloading and unpacking. And they're like, well, that's what moving is, you know? So, well, I guess I don't like moving, you know? And everyone I talk to, 
They're real encouraging. How's the move going? I'm like, it's going. They're like, yeah, moving's a beat down. Well, okay, thank you. I feel real good. But you're right. Moving is a beat down. And, and while we're excited and we love finally being in our city in McKinney, moving is difficult. And, and there's a couple of reasons why I had an experience on, on why that is a, a, a few, a, well, really at this point, a week ago. And so I was using a trailer, getting all my stuff to the house. Well, I had this refrigerator I needed to get to the house. So I had to borrow a friend's truck. And so I put the trailer, I get, we get the refrigerator up in the bed of this truck. We get the trailer on the truck. We get to McKinney. Our amazing people in McKinney were there helping us unload. We unloaded the trailer. We take the trailer off. We are about to take the refrigerator off. Well, I take the lock off the trailer and I set it on the bumper. Well, some of you know where this is going. We open up the tailgate, and a few of the guys that we open up the tailgate, it didn't lay real flat, so we thought, well, maybe if we force it. So we're pushing down on the tailgate, and sure enough, that lock put a three-inch dent in my buddy's tailgate. I'm going, man, what are we going to do? What is going on? This is, Wendy's telling me, you know, I get back home, I tell Wendy, she said, we got to do something about this. You can't return this truck. I'm like, I know I can't return this truck. So I did what most of us would do. I go to YouTube and Walmart. They had this thing at Walmart, $8. It's called the Bondo. It's like this giant suction cup, right? And so I get it, and I'm in there, and I'm like, I'm putting this suction cup on this dent, and I'm pulling, and I'm yanking, and I'm like, babe, is it coming? I think it's getting better. It's getting a little better. I think it's coming out. It's like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Well, I'm like, so then it says, you know, wet, wet the suction cup for, for better suction. I'm licking this thing, and I'm just yanking, yanking. I'm like, come on. And then finally, she's like, it ain't working. I'm like, okay. So we call, and we find this paintless dent repair place that's open late. So I take it there. I'm like, couldn't y'all do that? They're like, yeah, bring it on. Come on down. And so I get down there. They take it, they take tailgate off and he takes these tools and he starts working the dent out from the inside out. I'm like, I'm fascinated at this point. This is pretty amazing. And so then he starts telling me, he goes, yeah, you see how these guys on YouTube use these suction cups and they, they, try, to get the, they try to get the dent out and they all, all these YouTube videos in the same way. I think it's getting better. I guess this is as good as it'll be. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Never seen it. I didn't tell. And he gets this dent out. And, I, and so I return the truck to my buddy and then I go back, I call him. He was out of town. I call him a couple of days later. I'm like, hey, integrity here. I put a three-inch dent in your tailgate. He's like, what, really? I was like, but I got it fixed. He's like, man, I could never even tell. And what's amazing is that's a great example of how we deal with issues of the heart. So often we're trying to get the, the dents in our heart out from the outside in when really God is going, no, you resolve those issues by dealing with it from the inside out. And you know, it's things like this where you're putting dents in the tailgate of a friend their truck and, and, and other things like this when it comes to moving that we go, man, that's why we hate moving. We don't like it. And the truth is those experiences that we've had when it comes to moving or the experiences you've had when it comes to anything in life, they impact who we are. You see, experiences are powerful. They impact our perception and our perspective and how we see and respond and view things in life. In fact, we talked about last week that as we walk through life, as we live this thing called life, that our heart experiences things. It, it can be deceived. It can be disillusioned. It can be hardened. Or it can be wounded. And it's those experiences at time that lead us to a couple of places. And one of those places is, is wrestling with guilt and shame. And I want to talk to us today about guilt 
and shame. And, and what does that look like? What does that mean? How does that impact us? Because the truth is this, we all wrestle with guilt and shame at some level. It doesn't matter what you've been through, what you've experienced, who you are, when you gave your life to the Lord, how long you've been serving the Lord, we all experience guilt and shame at some level. And what happens is when we experience that guilt and shame, it begins to overwhelm us. We, we, it's almost like this cloud that, that overwhelms who we are. And, and, and so those experiences that we had, or maybe the experience we had was something someone did or spoke to us. And there's guilt and shame associated to it. And, and it overwhelms how we, ex, how we experience life and what we do and what we think. And, and, and the truth is, we wonder at times. You may be here. You may be in McKinney wondering, will I ever get through this? Will I ever overcome this battle? Will I ever get this right? I, I seem to keep making the same mistake over and over and over. Will I ever get it right? Will I ever get past this guilt and shame? You see, the lie of guilt and shame is so pervasive in our culture. It overwhelms us. We see it. And guilt and shame are two separate things, but they are uniquely joined. They are uniquely joined. And we all wrestle with it at some level. So, so what is guilt? Here's guilt. Guilt is the feeling in response to something that I've done. It's a feeling that I have in response to something that I've done. I, I lied, and so I feel guilty. I, I, I didn't respond well to my spouse or to my children. And so I feel guilty. I feel bad about that response. I made a mistake. That was a poor decision. And I feel guilty. It's the feeling in response to something that we've done. But then there's shame. And shame is this. Shame is the lie that tells me that what I've done is who I am. I lied, so I'm a liar. I, I didn't respond well to, to my spouse or my children. So I'm a terrible husband or wife. I'm a terrible parent. I, I made a mistake, so I am a mistake. You see, shame is an attack on our identity. At its root, that's what shame is attempting to do. And the goal of shame is separation and isolation. And oftentimes when it comes to shame, we think that it's, it's just confined to this one particular group of people or one particular sin or, or act and that's not true. Let me, let me help you kind of see what maybe what shame looks like for you. you. You know, you may wrestle with shame if you feel like you want to hide. You want to hide. You don't want people to see who you really are. You feel like you, you, if you have to put on this mask because if people saw who you really are, they wouldn't like you or accept you. Maybe, maybe you have to overcompensate. You're not satisfied with how God made you and wired you, so you overcompensate and you strive, strive, strive. Go, 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 because you feel shame about how God made you and who you are. You find yourself withholding yourself from those you love and those that love you. You feel as though that who you are isn't enough. You don't have what it takes and you'll never measure up. You see, guilt and shame will always magnify the darkness in front of us and, and inside of us. And it, it keeps us feeling as though we can never move forward. Can we ever move forward? Will we ever get past this? Will we ever get it? And the truth is, it's not just with the sins that maybe we have committed or lived. It can even be in the things that you're trying to pursue, perhaps in your own strength, when it comes to 
honoring and serving God. Maybe you've come to Milestone in the last year, last three, six months, and you're, you're in 101, and you've gone to 201 and 301, and you're in a small group, and you're going, I'm trying to get this, and you feel like, I just can't seem to measure up, and, and I can't seem to get it right, and me and my wife, we still argue, and we still can't seem to really fall in line and, and learn what God is trying to teach us, and shame will drive, and guilt will drive you. Why? It'll drive you because the power of guilt and shame is that it moves us away from God. The power of guilt and shame is that it moves us away from God. So the question is not, will you experience guilt and shame? The question is, what do you do when you experience guilt and shame? Well, that's where we turn to the words of the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And and the writer of Hebrews here is setting up this scripture. And and many of you may know Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 11 is kind of the chapter of faith, describes what faith is. And in Hebrews 12, there's there's this aspect of what Jesus did for us on the cross. In fact, we're going to look at Hebrews 12 in just a little bit. But in Hebrews 10, the writer here, before we get to verse 19, is talking about what Jesus did on the cross for us. That he paid the price for us. He gave his life as a sacrifice for us once and for all. And watch what he says in verse 19. Watch what they say in verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. You see, there's a confidence that we have in Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross, not because of what we do, not because of how we strive, but because of what Jesus did. In fact, that root word, that that word confidence right there, that root word actually means a boldness or a freedom of speech, meaning I have this boldness to declare what God has now done in my life, and I am declaring that I am made new in him. He says, there is a new way of living I now have access to because of what Jesus did on the cross. And he says in verse 20, they say in verse 21, it goes on and continues to say, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, it's with our heart that we draw near. Not because of our works, but because of the finished work of Jesus. We, we draw near with a true heart, a genuine, sincere heart. In what? In full assurance, which means a conviction. A conviction knowing I have full assurance because of what Jesus did on the cross. You see, human effort can't bring about assurance or salvation. It is only Jesus. And then... In verse 23, it wraps up and says, and let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast to that promise. Well, we're not faithful. Well, maybe we've done something that is shameful or that causes guilt. He is faithful, and that is our promise, because he is our promise. Here's what I want you to get is that when our hearts are troubled and filled with guilt and shame, our instinct is to move away from God. But he says to draw near. You see, culture says, follow your heart. No, don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. 
When guilt and shame want you to, to move away, draw near with a true, sincere heart, assured that God is making you new and cleansing you from your sin. I, I was reminded of this with our youngest, Meadow, who's four years old. And, and Meadow is quite spunky. Um, she's a lot like her mama. Um, oftentimes, she'll say things without thinking. And not that, that, not that she's like her mama because of that. I'm not saying that. I just, you know. But she, she you know, she just kind of talks, you know, she just says stuff. She's just, I mean, she's hilarious, really, honestly. She really is funny. And so the, the, the girls were, I have three little girls. The girls were at my parents' house in Austin and visiting them. And so they're, they're pretty well behaved, but they are still eight, six, and four, okay? So we, we created this little chart for them to have to keep track of wise decisions and unwise decisions. Well, Camden, my oldest, is a rule follower, and not only is she a rule follower, she also likes to tell us about how everyone else is doing when it comes to following the rules. So we're FaceTiming them on Friday, and she's showing us the charts. And she's going, here's my chart. I'm doing pretty well, if I do say so myself. Like, That's good, Camden. Thank you, baby. And here's Willow's chart, okay? Here's Meadow's chart. And in the background, you can hear Meadow. Don't show them that. I don't want them to see. Stop, Camden. Stop. And in that moment, it was amazing to see how the guilt of perhaps, and she had been pretty well behaved, but the guilt of perhaps a few unwise choices, it immediately moved her to embracing shame and she's worried that we're gonna be disappointed in her and not love her. And you know what's crazy is for us as parents, we see that. It's real natural for us to see that. But what's also amazing is how we oftentimes respond more like Meadow does to God. That, that all of a sudden, it's not that God keeps a record with check marks of wise decisions and unwise decisions, but all of a sudden, when we feel those things and, and we've made an unwise choice, we want to pull away. And in reality, all we wanted to do was draw Meadow close. And that's what God wants to do for you. You see, this isn't, this isn't theory for me. This is, this is reality. I've had to overcome guilt and shame. You see, because it's true for her when she's four, and it's true for me when I'm 40. And it's true when you're 20, and it's true when you're 14. And anywhere in between, or a little beyond. We all wrestle with guilt and shame. Somewhere in my teenage years, I bought into this lie that I wasn't good enough that nothing I did was good enough. And what I didn't realize is all through high school, all through college, and even through my early years of being a Christian, I wrestled with this feeling that what I did was never enough. And all it did is fuel a performance-driven nature inside of me to prove that I had what it took. Where did that come from? Shame of not feeling that I was enough. The lie of shame. And so for me, it may have looked different than what it looks like for you. But in reality, we all can wrestle with guilt and shame at some level. But we can all guard our hearts from guilt and shame. So how do we do that? Here's how we do that. First way we do that is by understanding that we overcome through Jesus. We overcome through Jesus. That's what the writer of Hebrews said in verse 19. 
He said, get your confidence up. I'm giving you confidence because of what I did on the, Jesus gives you confidence, but the enemy, the enemy gives condemnation. Paul wrote in Romans 8, he said, now therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation. So the enemy uses condemnation to deliver guilt and shame. You feel overwhelmed and condemned because you can't get it right. You keep making the wrong decisions. You're not the husband or wife or parent. You feel you should be or you think you need to be or your spouse tells you you should be. And what happens is we feel beat down by condemnation, but the truth is his word says that when we are in him, we have confidence in him and we can overcome through him. I love the words of Jesus in John 16, verse 33. It says, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace and in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome. You overcome through Jesus. Not your working, not your striving, not trying to pay penance or, or do better than. It's none of those things. It's simply by the work of what Jesus did on the cross. That word overcome in the Greek is nikeho, which means to overcome, to, to triumph, to subdue. So it's not some subtle little thing. It is a victorious overcoming that what Jesus did on the cross is more than enough and you can overcome through Jesus. The second way that we get our guard up is we find our identity in Jesus. You see, we fight guilt and shame by separating what we did from who we are. What we did, for that, that, and when we do that, that's what... The writer of Hebrews was saying, when we draw near with a true heart, we know that our identity is in him. You see, the enemy wants to give you facts. The fact is that you may not have been a very good person before you knew Jesus. None of us were. The fact is you made some unwise choices. You may have hurt some people. You may have hurt your spouse or your children. You may be having a hard time and you're just not getting it the way you want to. Those may be, be, those may be the facts, but the truth is this. Jesus says that you are a new creation. He says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He says he who, who knew no sin took on our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Why? Because our identity is found in him, not in what we've done. Our identity is in him. And we get our guard up and we guard our hearts by understanding that. Now, look, here's, here's a little simple thing that you can try this week. Remember Meadow and the foolish decision she made? Well, you know what you can do? Your child, your teenager may make a poor decision this week. They make a, may make a bad choice. You just, just come to them and say, hey, you made a bad choice, but that's not who you are. You just simply speak that truth to them. And then after you do that, you tell yourself that. When you make a bad choice and when you may have not responded the way you should, you tell yourself, yeah, that wasn't the best decision. That wasn't very wise, but I, I'm not that. So we overcome through Jesus. We find our identity in Jesus. And then we trust in Jesus. Remember, we are in Christ. That means our life, our hope, our trust is in him. The writer of Hebrews goes on and chapter 12, verse two, and, and I want you to see what he writes here. In Hebrews two, or chapter 12, verse two, it says, looking to Jesus, looking 
Where? To Jesus. That's where my eyes are set. They're set on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author of our salvation and our faith, and he is the perfecter, meaning he completed the redemptive work that God the Father gave him to do when he died on the cross for our sins, author and perfecter. He despised the shame. What was that shame? Death on the cross. You see, to die on the cross, a crucifixion was the most shameful death. In fact, it was so shameful that if you were a Roman citizen, you couldn't be crucified. And yet the right hand of the father is the most honored and revered place. And so Jesus was willing to go to the most shameful place on behalf of us. And because he did, God then in turn put him at the most honored place. And so when we feel like what we've done is so shameful, God says, no, 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 I'll redeem that. And I'm going to bring you to a place of honor because of what Jesus did on the cross. Remember verse 23 of chapter 10, it said, let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. It's his promise. And and, and when guilt and shame try to creep in because of what we've done or maybe what we haven't done, we hold fast to the one who is faithful even when we're not faithful. You see, when guilt and shame come in, what do we do? We, we cower and lower our heads in shame. But the, the writer of Psalms 3, verse 3, says, but Jesus is the lifter of our head. And so when you want to cower in shame and look away, what does the writer of Hebrews 12, 2 say? says, look to who? Look to Jesus. And so when you want to fix your eyes on what you've done, No, 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 stop fixing your eyes on what you've done and start fixing your eyes on what Jesus did. And when you wanna look at everything that you're not, you look at everything that Jesus is because shame pronounces us guilty and deficient. But Jesus pronounces us guiltless and promises his grace will be sufficient for our weakness. You see, Jesus is more than enough. And as we trust in him as our righteousness, as a provider of all that we need, then shame loses its power. Now, I don't know where you're at. Maybe like me. Shame looked a lot like shame looked for me. And you didn't even realize you were wrestling with shame, that this driven nature and this performance-driven nature was rooted in ashamed because you didn't really embrace who God said you were and you bought into some lie that you're not enough. Maybe you just got saved. Last week you were here and whether here with Pastor Jeff or with me in McKinney and you gave your life to the Lord and all week long the enemy has been trying to remind you of everything you did. Can I tell you something? You are not a clean version of your dirty old self. You are made new in Jesus. And you overcome through Jesus. You find your identity in Jesus. And because you do, you can trust in Jesus. 
Maybe you haven't been making the best choices. Maybe you've been wrestling and going, well, will I ever get over this? Can I ever make this right? Will I ever get this? Will I ever be the husband or, or wife or, or mom or business partner or whatever it is? Dad, will I ever get it? And you feel riddled with guilt and shame because you're not there yet. This, though, walking in, in victory and, and guarding our heart from guilt and shame, this is what it can look like for you and me. You see, because guilt and shame will always creep into our heart, but only Jesus can cleanse it. It, it always will. It'll happen. Can I tell you something? Just because I have pastor in front of my name doesn't mean that all of a sudden, now I've got like this force field from guilt and shame. You know what I've got to do? The same thing you got to do. I'm going to go to this word and I'm going to overcome through Jesus. I'm going to go to this word and I'm going to say, here's what his word says I am and who he says I am. And I'm going to trust in him and I'm not going to lean on my own understandings, but I'm going to acknowledge him in all my ways. You see, we can guard our heart from guilt and shame. We can overcome through Jesus. We can find our identity in him and we can trust in him. Here's what I want you to walk away with is that when guilt and shame cause you to wanna pull away, just remember this, God always draws you near. Let me pray for you this morning. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. You may be here today and maybe you've been coming for quite some time. Maybe today's the first day you've been here. But you're wrestling with the guilt and shame of of, of feeling what it has been like to live a life outside of Jesus. But today you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior because he died on the cross not only for your sin, but he died and when he took your sin, he also takes your guilt and your shame. And if you're there today, you just simply say, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you today. I make you the Lord of my life and I give you my heart. And I ask you to take my sin, my guilt, and my shame. And I thank you that you make me new. If you prayed that today, we'll have a ministry team that's up here at the end of service that would love to talk with you and and perhaps even pray more with you. But maybe you're here today and you've been wrestling with guilt and shame. Maybe you've been wrestling with guilt and shame your whole life. Maybe you've walked in victory over it before, but it seemingly has crept in and You don't understand why your heart feels the way it does. Maybe you're in McKinney and and, and you're feeling this overwhelming sense of guilt and shame, but we can overcome through Jesus today. And so, Lord, I pray right now. I pray for those here in Keller. I pray for those in McKinney. I pray for those watching online. God, that you would begin to not only bring freedom, but bring healing from guilt and shame. I thank you, God, that we can overcome through you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, our identity is set in you. And that as we walk in those things, God, we can trust you. And when shame and guilt want us to lower our head, I thank you, Jesus, that you are the lifter of our head and that we fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, the Lord bless you, church. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.